702 on 92.7 and 106 FM. Streaming on 702.co.za. The 702 app. And on DSTV channel 856. Good afternoon. It's seven. I think. Yes, it's seven minutes past 12. Welcome to the Midday Report. My name is TD Madia, standing in for Mandy Wiener. So we are... Uh, it's not Christmas Eve, but like we're in the into the weekend of Christmas, and there's a lot of attention on what's happening on the roads. You heard Karabo there in our bulletin saying that um, in, in the traffic bulletin saying that there's a 13 minute delay already on the N1 towards Polokwane. Transport Minister Cindy Chukunga is holding a media briefing and she says, we have 719 fatalities on our roads since the start of December. And you might have heard the breaking news. The ANC has settled with Azulian Investments that 150 million rand uh, judgment payment that they needed to make following three losses in the courts will also go to the Western Cape where a man accused of killing a Guguletu anti-crime activist, Lula Matingito, appeared before the Athlone Magistrates Court, will also also try and get a hold of the South African Council of Churches. They're out in Bethlehem spending Christmas in solidarity with the people of Palestine. And the ANC is trying to do something about former President Jacob Zuma. But we'll also look at the roads, as I said. Lots happening on the roads. And we'll also figure out what the weather's like. I don't know about you. I care about the weather ahead of a, a Christmas weekend. And I also just want to know, are you leaving? What are your thoughts? Are you stuck in the traffic? Are you concerned about what's happening on the roads? And um, just your thoughts as we go into the weekend. I know, I know a lot of people People are wrapping up at work this weekend. I am not. I'll be with you throughout. Uh, you can send voice notes to 072-702-1702-072-567-1567. Walking this talk together. Every hour. Every day. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. So, Transport Minister Cindy Chukunga is out in the Ferienachin area. She's holding a media briefing where she's speaking about the festive season road safety issues. She says that 719 people have already been killed since December. I want you to take a listen to a clip from the minister where she speaks really about what it's been like. And she starts off with, I think, the fastest uh, motorist was found in Gauteng. And she gives a quick breakdown of the numbers so far. Where a motorist was stopped while traveling at 206 kilometers per hour in a, in a 120 kilometers zone. The highest alcohol content was recorded as Exodicha in the Eastern Cape, where a motorist recorded a breath alcohol concentration of 1.97 milligrams per 1,000 milliliters of breath. The legal limit, if we remind ourselves, is 0.24 milligrams per 1,000 milliliters of bread. This clearly indicates that the first half of our campaign has been marked by wanton lawlessness, intransigent attitude, and inconsiderate conduct by motorists in townships, by some motorists in townships, suburbs, and villages. Consequently, we have started to witness the emergence of a trend that gives us cause for concern as we enter the second half of the implementation of our campaign. The days ahead will be particularly challenging because of extraordinary long weekends over the Christmas and the New Year holiday period. Ladies and gentlemen of the media, it is worth noting that crashes have indeed decreased by 0.8% compared to the same period last year leading to a 4.3% 
decline in fatalities. In total, 719 fatalities have been recorded in the first three weeks of the 2023-24 festive season compared to 751 in the same period last year. And that therefore means that we have reduced the numbers by 32 fatalities, which is 32 dead bodies which we saved. The 2023 festive season road fatalities midterm statistic breakdown per province are as follows. Gauteng has recorded 187 fatalities, which is a 23.8% increase compared to last year. Because last year they were 851, which means that this year they've ended 34 dead bodies. Number two is Pumalanga, which recorded 81 fatalities, which is a 6.6% increase compared to last year. And last year they were 76, which therefore means that this year they are five fatalities up. Third is Limpopo, which has recorded 88 fatalities, which is the same as previous year. They were at this, at this moment at 88. That's Transport Minister Cindy Chukunga, who's on the highway. That's why you're hearing that noise there in Fe'enachin in the Val, where she's giving an update on road safety since the start of the festive season. 719 people have died on our roads. This is 32 less than what we had last year during a previous period. Gauteng, Mpumalanga, Limpopo have been the most affected. KZN has had 135 fatalities. That's a decrease. Western Cape has had 67, also a decrease in the Eastern Cape, they've had 59 fatalities. She spoke about, spoke at length, really, about the wrong trends or worrying trends that are on the road, saying that there's wanton lawlessness on the roads, there's ill, Ill behavior, ill behavior from motorists um, across our villages, our townships, and in suburban areas. The highest alcohol content uh, was found in a motorist in the Eastern Cape, and as you heard at the very beginning there, the fastest was nabbed in Gauteng at the start of this particular season. We'll have more on transport stories of course, because high volumes are being seen on the main arteries in and out of the well, out of the province, really. So we'll catch up on that a little bit later as well. Your voice. Your station. Let's walk the talk. 702. 702. Turning our attention now to the Western Cape, a 35-year-old man, Lungi Lematolo, who was, ad- was identified as a person of interest last week. He was nabbed in an operation in Graf Renet on Sunday. Lungi Lematolo specifically is a man who's accused of killing a CPF member, an anti-crime activist, Lulama Dingito. Uh, he appeared in court, as I said earlier. Dutuzelo Nene from EWN has been following that story. He joins me now on the line. Dutuzelo, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Calls were mounting for police to act and they seemingly have managed to produce a suspect in this particular uh, 35-year-old man. Good afternoon, City. Indeed, um, those calls were made and the arrest was effected on Sunday in Hrafrenet. Apparently, the accused person, Lungila Matolo, was on his way from the Western Cape, I mean, from the Eastern Cape back to Cape Town. And, um, you know, Police Minister Becky Tele and other uh, police top brass were in court today. Um, Minister Becky Tele, um, his deputy, Castel Matale, uh, National Commissioner Fanny Masemola, and um, 
the provincial uh, police uh, commissioner, Tembisile Patekile, were all in court today um, as Madolo made his first appearance. Um, and Tele afterwards, you know, addressed us as the media on, um, you know, the actions of the police in, in tracing um, this, uh, um, this suspect. Um, and he's saying that even when um, Lulamama Dingindo was being buried last week, uh, last weekend, they had already known that the suspect was in Kadeha and was en route to, to Cape Town. So that's how they managed to, to have that operation to, 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 and finally nabbed him. Mm, I know that they, so they've been keeping their eyes on him. I know that at uh, at the the at funeral, he had expressed some frustration with judges in the Western Cape over freeing criminals with pending cases. What else did you have to say to community members? I believe, if I listen properly, you did say that community members were there, including families of both the victim and the suspect. Correct? Um, yes. Um, we, you know, obviously the. Um the, the press briefing was with, uh, or the the address was w- with Minister Begikala just outside the uh, uh, the court building, and um, the families were still around. But when we were finished with uh, uh, Minister Kale's briefing or, or address, we tried to get uh, to speak to the families, uh, but the police whisked them away and did not allow um, us to speak to the families. Mm. I'm not sure why was that. Um, but, you know, we had made prior arrangements to speak to the families, um, especially, uh, um, you know, uh, at Dingindo's family, uh, her daughter was there and she, you know, she had indicated that she would love to speak to the media uh, and say her side of the story or how she feels and how the family feels about this whole situation. But, um, you know, police blocked that interview and whisked them away. Um, so, yeah, we, we didn't mm. really get to speak to to the families, and but just, they were there in court today. And just before I let you go on to Tuzelo, when is the, sus- when is the suspect due back in court? He's due back uh, next week, Friday, uh, because today his lawyer was not in court. Um, and when asked why was that, he said he didn't get a chance to, to call his lawyer to be present in court today because he's being represented by a private attorney uh, and he refused to, you know, to take um, um, a state legal uh, um, attorneys. All right, thank you so much. That's EWN's Ntutuzelo Nene, where he's covering the case of a man accused of killing Gugule, two anti-crime activists. Lulama Dinginto appeared before the Athlon Magistrates Court earlier today. Because this journey is better taken together. Let's walk the talk. 702. So a second fire has seemingly broken out in Simon's Town. Just earlier this week, if you remember, we spoke about over 300 firefighters battling the inferno. We spoke to Cape Town's Fire and Rescue spokesperson, Jermaine Carrelser. At the time, he said things were looking slightly positive, but I'm not so sure if that is still the case. He joins me now for an update. Jermaine, thank you for your time. Welcome to the show. It seems like you are going to go into a Christmas weekend with your hands full. Are changing weather conditions the issue? Hi, good afternoon to you and your viewers. Yes, I think we um, we got a bloody nose by the wind gust last night or early this morning where the wind picked up considerably and took the fire from Simonstown over the mountain and it's now currently just above Misty Cliffs and Scarborough. And at that time, just around 8 o'clock, 
um, another fire broke out on the just opposite the Glencairn Expressway, and that fire gained momentum and went to the Everlast uh, Estate and uh, the Stonehaven Estate. We threatened to obviously burn down the houses, but luckily that was averted by the amount of resources that we could dispatch um, and to avert that danger to that property. What is the status of that fire now? Um, has it settled? And the weather itself as well. I mean, the wind seemed to be part of the problem. How is that looking at the moment? Yeah, it's, it's actually strange. On the Simonstown side, we initially started on Tuesday. That side, there's no wind. But as you just go around the mountain, Mullis Bush and Smithswinkle is uh, strong winds on that side. And obviously, it's dry and warm. Currently, was in Cape Town. And, but we've got the choppers that water bombing uh, the inaccessible areas because we are trying to cut off the head of the fire. Mm. I saw on Twitter journalist Max Dupree saying he, as he stays on the National Park boundary in Simonstown, he was expressing gratitude to firefighters and the helicopter pilots that you speak of who saved their properties. You did say earlier that some residents had to be evacuated. How many have been evacuated? And is there a possible timeline of when they'll be able to return to their homes? Um, I don't have the correct totals, but that was only a precaution evacuation of, of the people in Stonehaven as well as Scarborough. But I think that those um, those residents were taken back to their homes. And then in terms of injuries, when we last spoke, you and I, earlier this week, some firefighters had sustained injuries. Um, in terms of how they're faring as, as they battled Inferno, how are they doing? Are there any reported injuries from last night or this morning? Well, I think that's one of the positive sides that um, no one was injured, none of the staff members or any member of the public was injured during the during the course of the 12-hour operational period. All right. Thank you so much. That's Jermaine Carlson, who speaks for the Cape Town Fire and Rescue. They are battling an inferno around uh, Simonstown. And he says the one side of the mountain seems to have calmed down, but the strong winds on the other. He is not necessarily sure at the moment how many people have been evacuated, but there have been reports and he confirms it that some people had to be um, evacuated from their homes. But on the positive front, as he says, their firefighters uh, don't have reports, at least for now, of any injuries. Walking this talk together. Every hour. Every day. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. The National Student Financial Aid Scheme is in the news again over non-payment of allowances. Again, I don't personally I don't understand how the vulnerable seeking education are made even more vulnerable by NASFAS that seemingly can't get its act together. I don't know if you've heard the reports, but Northwest students didn't get their allowance last month. Before that, you're at the University of Vanda. Before that, DUT in Durban and so on and so forth. I saw recently the South African Union of Students saying this issue is disastrous. And they claim to have not received concrete answers from NASFAS about the delays. We speak now to higher education spokesperson Ismail Munisi, who joins us now on the line. Ismail, good afternoon and welcome to the show. I'm going to start you with Saus's problem and try and get them an answer. They say they don't necessarily have an answer or clarity from NESFAS as to why there have been delays. Why is it that students in far cities like the Northwest have not received their allowances? Do you know? See, maybe in answering your call um, and your question, um, rather, let me explain this in terms of the payment process so that it gets understood. Mm. NSFAS receives payment uh, or, or data from universities, number one, 
on the students that are enrolled by the universities, which are a precursor towards NSFAS processing payments. And I think we should be very clear on that. Because the assertion that, uh, again, NSFAS has failed to pay again and so on and so forth, on the basis that the data that gets received from institution determines what the NSFAS pays. So we need to clarify that point. So when you see NSFAS not paying, let's again trace it back. When does data uh, get to NSFAS to enable it to pay? Because NSFAS functions like a bank. You don't have appropriate data, you don't pay. And that's how the scheme works. So um, in relation to uh, the claim by SAUS that they don't get answers, well, we have a direct communication to SAUS. They have our numbers, they have the chairperson of the board, they have the CEO, they've got my numbers. We don't know at this point in time who they're speaking to uh, 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 to get clarity on the process. So we will, uh, you know, um, reach out to them and find out if whether... Uh, who did they speak to who failed to provide the answers. But I can confirm today that we are still at work and we do take calls from our stakeholders, including uh, students. Isabel, let's speak about the data issue that you say. You know, they receive data and they work along those lines. Why is it then that there's so many hiccups then? Um, surely in the planning stages, as you predict, what kind of year you'll have in terms of academic year and how many students you need to cater for, that would be taken into consideration then. And if that was the case and if that was done properly, there wouldn't be these lapses where varsities take different turns being left out and students writing exams without having a meal or money for a meal. That would be avoided, surely. Two things happens after um, NSFAS has confirmed um, uh, uh, payment of students. Um, one, uh, when a, any change that gets effected to the uh, profile of the, of the student makes a difference. For an example, if you are um, approved for funding for a particular course and it gets changed, it therefore affects the allowance that you must receive. If you get approval for transportation, as an example, because you're not a resident student, and then after a month or two, you change your type of accommodation, it affects the allowance. Now, that data is the one that we are saying gets uh, sent to, uh, to NSFAS sometimes late, sometimes towards the end of the year, as we do now. Now, the Northwest University, uh, as a case in point, uh, has, has done that very uh, um, uh, same, you know, sent data which has been altered along the process. Now, NSFAS uh, has to do a reconciliation of all the data that has been received uh, from institutions. Now, I can say that 17 of our universities, as we speak, are affected by these delays because of this change in data. Uh, now, what we, are dealing, what we are doing to deal with that situation we are, you know, we have developed a new system of uh, data management from NSFAS, and we are speaking with universities that we need to use a common data management system to make sure that any changes that happens at an institutional level instantly gets reported to NSFAS to avoid these instances of data being sent uh, uh, last week of, of the month, and NSFAS has to process that to make sure that it pays the, the right uh, recipient the correct amount. The other thing is that um, during the year, uh, institutions have, uh, some of the institutions have advanced some money to uh, the students. Now we need to do the reconciliation to say which uh, institutions have advanced money to which students so that we then pay uh, back that money to institutions 
and pay the remainder to the students. So it is a reconciliation process. It is a mop-up process that NSOS is currently busy with, which is taking us, uh, you know, this long uh, for us to finalize uh, the final payment. And then the system that you talk about, the shared system that will make sure that the hiccups aren't happening, how long will it take to establish that? When do you see it coming into play? Well, we, we are in negotiation with institutions, one, that uh, we need to come up with a cut-off date for any information of uh, students to be changed throughout the year. And I think this will help us to make sure that uh, if changes are made before the cut-off date, NSFAS will have enough time to reconcile its data and pay the right uh, allowances to the students and the remainder to uh, institutions. As we speak now, NSFAS is currently working towards the finalization of uh, uh, the 2023 payments, and we envisage that by the end of this year, all those um, outstanding payments would have been done, provided that um, uh, uh, the data that has been sent by institutions correlates very well with the, ones, uh, with the one that uh, uh, NSFAS has. But we are uh, you know, uh, anticipating that we should not have any further problem than the delays that already have been made. Thank you so much. That's Ishmael Mnisi who speaks for the Department of Higher Education on those NESFAS shortages. Your voice. Your station. Let's walk the talk. 702. 702. So I've seen a lot of scattered thunder showers in Joburg, at least in the days leading up to this particular weekend. I think nothing beats a warm, sunny festive season or Christmas day if you celebrate it. So let's try to figure out what the weather is going to be like into in the, ne- in, the, in the next few days. I'm joined now by forecaster Lutando Massimini. Lutando, thank you so much. Welcome to the Midday Report. Good afternoon. Um, Let's start speaking about the overall conditions in Gauteng specifically. I think today is, like I think I think I'd classify it as a lukewarm day. Yeah, today it's uh, fairly warm over Gauteng. A bit of clouds. Uh, I think they are also uh, uh, benefiting us in terms of really keeping the temperatures not that hot. We're not expecting much in terms of rainfall, though, for Gauteng today. Though in the east, uh, our eastern province, such as Pumalanga, there is some isolated showers thunder showers uh, with a warning issued for the Mpumalanga High Felt, more the southeastern part, Secunda, Standard, and MLO, Pedritif, those areas, probably going as far north as the Belfast uh, area. Some uh, uh, severe thunderstorms expected for today. Um, besides that, uh, yeah, only isolated showers and thunder showers are indicated for those areas. And for tomorrow, uh, once again, we are expecting uh, a 30% chance of uh, showers, thunder showers, mainly for the Gauteng um, now, Pumalanga um, areas. And then uh, there is a warning once again for that southeastern part of Pumalanga. Um, once again, the Petritif may get some uh, thunderstorms that may be severe in that area, level one at this stage. The models are showing quite a weak signal, but the possibility for that. Going into the weekend, yes, uh, it's going to be fairly uh, chances of thunderstorms mainly uh, every afternoon uh, between now, building into the into the into Christmas uh, showers and thunder showers expected in play at times, and uh, we are monitoring the system at this stage. We're not really much to say in terms of uh, severe weather for how tank and for uh, at this stage but there is some rainfall expected for the festive weekend and just very quickly what's the western cape looking like over the festive weekend 
Uh, the Western Cape, it looks like fairly uh, good. Uh, there is, uh, it's mostly it's mainly uh, wind, uh, summery weather for that side of the world, with not much expected in terms of uh, uh, rainfall. Today they are not expecting anything in terms of rainfall, as, uh, and then mainly the Overberg area. This, uh, today there is a bit of showers, a 30% expected, but going forward, uh, there's not much expected mm. uh, for throughout the weekend. Then the weekend, the pre-Christmas is promising to be quite a good weather for them. That's good news for all of us. Thank you so much. That's Lutando Masimini, a forecaster, saying it looks like we'll have wonderful weather into the festive weekend. Because this journey is better taken together. Let's walk the talk. 702. Hi, good afternoon, Tzidi. Before Minister Chikunga could uh, give us the analysis of the reduction in road fatalities for the year, I think whoever is doing the numbers for her should also put in consideration the following. Number one, the population increase in the last one year and the number of new vehicles added onto the roads this year in comparison to the last year. And then put the numbers across and see we've had this much increase of population in the country we had this number of vehicles increased the whole year and this is the percentage reduction in fatalities and then let's see are we moving forward are we stagnant or are we moving backwards thank you Thank you so much for that voice note, Andrew. I like that idea. I think a more comprehensive picture of what's actually happening on our roads would be helpful and helps understand whether we are actually regressing or not. It doesn't help to say, oh, no, there was 7.35 or 7.55, now there's 7.19. I think a more comprehensive picture of whether there are more people using the roads will definitely be helpful. Thank you for your voice notes. Keep them coming. 072-702-1702-072-567-1567. Other stories you must be mindful of and you must be uh, expecting to hear from today include uh, Reverend Frank Chikani and Anglican and the Anglican Church Dean Michael Wida being part of a religious leaders um, uh, that have gone from this country traveling to Jerusalem as part of solidarity a solidarity mission with the people of Palestine and the friends and family members of renouncing Abule Alam Kutukana, popularly known as Zahara, are gathering in East London. This is for her second memorial service ahead of her being laid to rest tomorrow. Of course, the Luliwe hitmaker died last week after she was admitted to hospital in Johannesburg. Walking this talk together. Every hour. Every day. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. So news coming in this afternoon that the ANC has reached an agreement, uh, a settlement with Zuluni Investments. That was a matter that was headed supposedly from what we understood to the Constitutional Court. It might, it might not be going there any longer. We'll find out. We chat now to EWN's Bernadette Wicks. She joins me now in studio. Bernadette, hi. Welcome, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. So there was concern, at least by those involved in the ANC, that this matter would pretty much spell the end. I mean, there was talks of a liquidation mm. even. Uh, Amid talks about this particular payment that the ANC needed to make to Zulian Investments, but there's been breaking news. There's been some development. Yes, so there have there has, as you mentioned, um, there have been some concerns around 
the potential liquidation of the governing party. Um, Ezelweni had threatened to bring liquidation proceedings against them unless they put these funds, this 150 million rand that Ezelweni says it's owed for marketing material that it provided for the 2019 elections. They had demanded that these funds be put in a trust fund while they sought out the, while they finalized the matter before the courts. Um, they weren't. And against that backdrop, they had threatened to potentially bring liquidation proceedings against the ANC, which obviously would have been absolutely disastrous for the party going into next year's elections. What we understand now, however, is that um, according to a statement from the ANC that we received a short while ago, they have now settled out of court with Ezelweni Investments. They say that the matter has been resolved in the best interests of both parties. But as it stands, we don't really have any further details uh, in terms of what that settlement agreement actually entails. Have we been able to hear from Ezelweni Investments whether or not this is true? They also feel that they've reached an agreement that the matter can be put to bed and move on. Um, we did reach out to Ezelweni's uh, attorney, Shafiq Sali, a little bit earlier, and he said he was still waiting um, for to speak to his clients to ascertain whether or not they agreed with what the ANC has said in the statement. And that's really the last that we've heard from their side. Mm, lots of questions still. I know the ANC is not willing to talk. We have tried multiple times mm. to call different people. Thank you so much. That's Bernadette Wicks giving us an update on the breaking news story where the NC says it's reached an out-of-court settlement with Ezulun Investments. What does that mean? We'll have to wait and see. Lots of talk about the NC. I mean, it's been a year, really. Think about it, where the NC has been in the news. One can make an argument that it is the governing party. But hey, the state of the party itself has us talking quite often about it. Think about a story that I saw in the City Press today where the ANC is mulling over what to do about former President Jacob Zuma. This includes whether or not he needs to come to attend its January 8th uh, event in Pomalanga, uh, the second week of January. So January 8th is, it marks the ANC's birthday celebration. I think it turns 112. I will be there working. Um, the NC and its, its leadership is wondering whether or not the former president should be there. What will it mean if he's not allowed to attend? What does it mean if he attends? Those are some of the things that it's mulling over. And of course, we're hoping to get more clarity around what the settlement with Ezuluni Investments actually means. Your voice. Your station. Let's walk the talk. 702. 702. We move on now to a story that we got from, um, that we're speaking to from Pop Cruise. So there's a lot of pressure on traffic officers this season. I see Pop Cruise president, that's the police and prison civil rights union, the president, Tulani Nguenya, has penned an opinion piece raising concern over traffic police who are shackled by their constraints. He joins us now on the line to discuss this further. Tulani, thank you so much for your time. Welcome to the Midday Report. So you are concerned about the work in and of itself that traffic officers have to endure. So over and above the concerns about attending to motorists, there are issues within the system, if I understand correctly, that they're grappling with. Hey, good afternoon and good afternoon to your listeners. Thank you for having me. Yes, uh, we have a serious concern about uh, the way traffic officers are being operated. Firstly, is the issue of the legislation. The fragmentation of the legislation as you see, all of them in the whole country, in nine provinces, they are employed in terms of different legislation and they are allocated in different departments. For an example, in Western Cape, they're falling under the Department of Housing and in other provinces, they are in the Department of Agriculture and others in Community Safety and others in Public Works. So that fragmentation 
it does not uh, give them uh, a space for them to be able to operate because the mandate of different departments is not in terms of the policing. So that is the first thing that we have concern mm. about. Yes. And the other thing that is there are the conditions of service. Unfortunately, tomorrow I'll be attending a funeral of a traffic official who has been uh, run over by a truck on the N12, uh, <clears throat> which has passed on. It's, a, it's another factor that we have issued a statement to say, regardless of uh, people happy want to go home and enjoy holidays, but they need to respect the, the laws of the road. The traffic officials are there to make sure them uh, to make sure that these are safe and secure on the road. But in this kind of a situation that happened, uh, uh, I think last week here during the during the week, that member they were on a roadblock and that truck did not want to stop when they're being stopped. So that shows that people in South Africa, some of them, not majority of them, some of them, they disrespect the law and they also disrespect the the, the traffic officials. So when it comes to motorists, so you speak about that. What else, though, are traffic... Actually, before I even ask you about the traffic officials, the issue about fragmentation, you belong to a federation called COSATU, which is part of the alliance movement, aligned to the governing party. Has it been raised in that space yet and taken to the governing party about what ought to be done to help ensure that policing is done better without the fragmentations that you speak of? Then I'll ask you about the motorists. Yes, we have raised that within COSAT. We have even come up with a, a a draft paper that says we want nationalization of traffic officials. Because if you look at the Constitution, Section 205 of the Constitution, it tells you exactly what are the responsibilities of the police. And also the Police Act of 1995 tells you exactly that we need to have one police under one national commissioner. Now, you have these other police agencies like your RTMC, which supposed to be a administrative uh, policy developer, but they've got their own policy, which also deals with roads and traffic. You've got traffic officials uh, who are employed in terms of the Public Service Act. Recently, we, you see these so-called uh, Amapanyaza, they've been employed in Gauteng. They were not given a, a right to exercise the right like all the traffic officials. But we welcome the move by the Minister of uh, uh, um, uh, Justice, Justice, who Ronald also, yeah, Ronald Lamula, who have come and said, no, I'm giving them as peace officers. All these police officials, as we are crying about a shortage of police, uh, of police in the country, if they can be all nationalized falling under one police or, or, or i mean under one national commissioner that has been our call as pope crew now mm. the challenge that we are facing when you raise with this issue i'll i'll, I'll cite an example there was a, a, a minister uh the, the the secretary general of uh, of the national congress we raised that issue with him to say we want nationalization bring all traffic officials under one Immediately when you're supposed to start engagement, it's being reshuffled, you bring a new one. A new one comes in, it doesn't raise the issue of saying, no, I was aware, my predecessor told me about what, 
you have to start afresh. So it delays, it delays, it delays all these processes. The nationalization is our call. Our members are complaining left and right because of also the conditions of service as they are being fragmented are not the same. All right, thank you. That's Tulani Nguenya, president of Pop Crew. I mean, he did speak about the issue of motorists where they feel they're not necessarily respecting the rules of the law to the latter. I kind of wanted to get more on that, but I am running out of time. But speaks about the issue of their call, really, for the nationalization, right, of the police, saying that they are far too fragmented, they're not working necessarily as well as they should or could. Because this journey is better taken together. Let's walk the talk. 702. Traffic volumes on the N3 are set to spike ahead of Christmas. We are joined now by Tanya Dugra, the N3 toll, from the N3 toll concessions. She's the operations manager. Tanya, thank you so much for your time. I imagine a lot of vehicles are trying to leave Gauteng. I think I've started picking it up. I drive on the N3, picking it up over the past few days, seeing a lot more motorists making their way out of the province. Is that what you're seeing at the moment? Um, good afternoon, Teddy, and good afternoon to all your listeners. Yes, we're definitely seeing that. I think a number of people actually woke up really early this morning, and they've started making their way down south towards KwaZulu-Natal. We've been seeing an access of 1,700 vehicles an hour in the last couple of hours now already. Um, and it's been very busy throughout most of the day. We're also seeing that we uh, that there's an increase of traffic heading northbound towards Gauteng. Um, and there we're recording volumes of just over 1,100 vehicles an hour in the last hour. So it's very busy on the N3, definitely, and particularly on the N3 toll route between Sadara and Heidelberg. That's very interesting that you're saying you're also seeing um, high volumes heading towards Gauteng. We are normally left alone, people who stay in the province, uh, over over the festive season. But in terms of incidents as well, um, what are you picking up? I know I saw on the N1 yesterday there was a massive uh, accident. Are you seeing any? What's the frequency of those? We have unfortunately recorded quite a number of crashes over the past, well, since the beginning of the festive season, um, and it is pretty much in, in line with what we've recorded previously, similar to our traffic patterns. Fortunately, nothing that's caused any significant disruptions to traffic, and at the moment the route is fully clear, but uh, the weather services have issued an advisory for uh, the potential for severe thunderstorms affecting the road. And that will obviously contribute to dangerous driving conditions. So just appealing to our motorists to please stay informed, follow us on X N3 route, where they'll get the latest updates about what's happening on the N3 toll route and to adjust their driving styles accordingly. Thank you so much. That's Tanya Dugra from the N3 toll concessions. She's the operations manager saying that there's a lot of traffic going out of Gauteng, but absolutely seeing the same thing happening coming into Gauteng. I want to stay with the stories of, of the issues of traffic. I want to bring in now Jobek Metro spokesperson Kolani Fisa. Kolani, thank you. Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. But in terms of the movement in and out of the province, what are you observing this afternoon? Uh, good afternoon uh, to you. Let me also uh, greet uh, the listeners. Uh, what we are seeing in the city of Johannesburg, are our freeways, the traffic is free-flowing. There isn't uh, much uh, congestion on those routes, uh, especially the N1 in uh, the city, on uh, the N3, the N14, the M1 within the, the uh, Johannesburg inner city, and the N12 as well. But what we are seeing uh, within the Johannesburg inner city, there's a lot of uh, congestion that's starting to build up especially at traffic, uh, at uh, transport hubs. Uh, there's one on uh, Wondrous at the Wondrous Taxi Rank. 
at uh, Nuart Taxi Rank and also at uh, Bree Taxi Rank as well. We know that uh, uh, last week from the 15th, a lot of people were starting to make their movements out of the city uh, to the various destinations across the country. And this is uh, continuing uh, throughout this week. And I think uh, uh, from uh, uh, today up until Sunday, we'll see a lot of people leaving. But uh, we are seeing a lot of congestion at uh, these uh, traffic hubs. And in terms of advice for motorists who are making their way out, I think in some areas you, you they want you need they need to afford themselves extra time. I mean, I was listening to one of our traffic journalists here saying that, for instance, people at the N1 there's already a 30 minute delay. So, in terms of advice to motorists, what would you say? No, definitely, I, I need to leave as early as possible so that you can accommodate any type of traffic you are going to meet up. Uh, going forward, or even avoid any congestion uh, uh, going to your to your various destinations. But uh, the message still continues that uh, driver behavior is one of the serious concerns. We know that uh, driving under the influence of alcohol, reckless and negligent driving, excessive speeding, and also uh, distracted driving like talking uh, or texting on your cell phone whilst driving, one of the biggest concerns. So we are advising motorists to adhere to all the rules of the road and avoid those type of driver behaviors. But most importantly, try to drive as early as possible and avoid driving at night. All right, thank you so much. That's Jane Peedy's Olani Fitla saying it's important to afford yourself time, so leave early. But most importantly, try to not drive at night. I think the congestion we are seeing is only starting. Karabo earlier saying 30-minute delay on the N1 if you're trying to get out of Gauteng. I imagine that picture will be completely different, worse, maybe even over an hour by this evening and into tomorrow. So afford yourself a little bit more time if you're making your way out of the province. Walking this talk together. Every hour. Every day. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. I see it, I see it, I see it. Mm-hmm. Listen, let me tell you something about the traffic cop. The traffic cop, as I ask our black people, each other, we fight each other. They don't even put the approach. You know, I expect to them, or one of my traffic cop, I'm a poor. Most of them, you know, when someone stop, but they approach you nicely, same like it. Uh, my police, they approach you nicely and show now. There is a police, we can't be around the corner. At the corner, we expect to uh, get a traffic cop out there. Some other ones, they, they are torches, it's the problem. Most of the people who are hijacking, they hijacking with their torches, they act like it's the traffic cop. That's why people they don't want to stop. Thank you so much for your voice notes. Approach me nicely. That's what you're asking for. Thank you so much for that. Sports Rap. Sports Rap. With Tolagele Mganga. Tolagele Mganga has just joined us in the studio. I'm looking at you funny because I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> so Tolagele walks into the newsroom and goes, Ah, oh, what did you say? Last day. What Last working day of Last the year. Last working day of the year. Only her, not all of us. Just you. <laughs> Felt a little bit jealous. I never understand why there's sports on Christmas weekend. That's Is there always sports on how, Christmas how weekend? How else will you avoid having to wash the windows, do the curtains, <laughs> do the spring cleaning? Just tell your mother that your team is playing and they can't win without you. <laughs> 
also it's helpful. Yes. What do we have to look out for this weekend? Well, with the cricket, of course, we know that we've wrapped up the ODI series. But for people that are around Pretoria on Tuesday, the Boxing Day, the first test between South Africa and India, that takes place on Tuesday. Then we've got lots of football lined up. Tonight in the Premier League, we've got Eston Villa up against Sheffield United. Then the big games coming up this weekend, the top of the table clash between Liverpool and Arsenal. That one's at half past seven tomorrow evening. Then locally in the DSTV Premiership, we've got the likes of Mamelodi Sundowns in action against Cape Town City. Orlando Pirates will take on Supersports United. That's number two versus number three. And then for Kaiser Chiefs supporters, right before Christmas, you guys take on Richards Bay at half past three on Saturday. You say it like they're going to win when they do. But anyway, they must eat ahead of time. <laughs> Can I just say that the, the cricket ga- game in Pretoria, that actually does sound like a nice day it, it, It's very South African sounding. Absolutely. You know, the day of the cricket inside in Pretoria. The most important thing that CSA always push when it is this December and festive seasons, always the summer of cricket. So go out and support. If you can't go to the Boxing Day test, the women are involved in the third and final ODI against Bangladesh up in Benoni. So for a lot of people, we know there's not a lot of traveling for some of us. Go out to the cricket, enjoy the sports. We talk about it all year. Now go watch it for yourself. Thank you so much, Tolegele. Let's Tolegele with some of the things that are happening. Saying Kaiser Chiefs supporters must eat early. They might not get the Christmas gift that they want, they wanted. Thank you so much, Tolegele, for that. Thank you for tuning in. Merry Christmas to those who celebrated. Have a safe festive season. And those who are sticking around, I'll be back with you next week. Have a lovely, lovely Christmas. Hello, for Christmas. Mm.